Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. We are currently located in the football capital of the world, New York slash New Jersey, where the New York teams can't lose. Great weekend for New York sports. Obviously, a bit of sarcasm there, but two wins for New York football teams. Also, a playoff berth of sorts we can get into if people want to call it that. It is a playoff berth. The New York Yankees, big one. Coming up on Tuesday night, the Boston Red Sox. What more could you ask for as a sports fan? Obviously, you could ask for some more as a Yankees fan. But here we are. And here we are with our baseball guys. Of course, it's been too long. We've been locked up in football season. But we have to talk New York Yankees here. Alec Argento. What's up, my brother? Sir. I mean, obviously, it's a playoff berth. I know. I, I don't know why I did that thing there. But you know how some people get weird about that? Like, oh, does this even count as a playoff berth if it's a one-game blah, blah, blah? Are we done with having that conversation? We're done with having that conversation, right? Yeah, it's fine. Does it, well, I don't know. Do we say that about, like, the NBA play-in? Uh, the yeah, play-in was two games. Wasn't the play-in two games? Oh, no. Well, not if but, you were the, the 9-10 and you lost the first game. True. I, I consider that the playoffs. So the, play, uh, the, the wild card game has to be playoffs. I, I, mean, I don't it know. It's the most electric thing that baseball has ever done. So I'm, I'm all about it. I just wish my team wasn't in it. Yeah, right. It's always <laughs> like it's one of those things that you absolutely adore it until you're sitting there with clenched cheeks in the in the eighth yep. inning of a three-and-a-half-hour game against the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> well... A Yankee Red Sox game is already four four hours and change. Right. So a Yankees Red Sox playoff game where they're mixing and matching players, everyone's got a short leash. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. I haven't seen a game seven versus Yan- Yankees Red Sox in a minute. And also with us, of course, Andrew Kalanya, my guy. What's going on? You did a great job on the Instagram answering questions. We know how you were feeling on Sunday. Are you still feeling that way heading into Tuesday? Oh boy. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a rough, it's been a rough couple of days, but you know, I'm happy to be here. I'm ready to discuss the topics that are on the minds of not only the sports world, but the nation as well. Uh, I don't want to say any spoilers, but that, uh, that Venom post-credit scene bonkers. They did it. They did the thing. Wait, wait, can I, can I comment on that? Or are we just like going to let the joke simmer for a second? That movie, the, the post-credit scene was great. But that movie, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, more like Let There Be Garbage. Well, the first and, movie sucked. The first movie sucked too. So it's just and like... yet this was worse than the first one. <laughs> yeah. So wait, did it suck Terrible. with any redeeming qualities though? I feel like it must have had some redeeming the end humor, credit, perhaps. The, the end credit scene. Also, they did the thing where uh, they said the name of the movie in the movie. So that's always a redeeming quality for me. You get the, you say, like, let there be carnage. Like, all right, I'm going to point at it like the Leo, the Leo meme from, right. uh, from Once Upon yeah. a Time. I feel like, yeah. w- like was uh, Woody Harrelson good at least? You know what I mean? No. No? No. You guys both no. saw I w- it. Was Tom Hardy? He tends to be good. Was he good at least? No. I, he, I, he'd like, I don't know. It's like Tom Hardy unlike like on stupid pills like he like he just doesn't like he's not acting he's just he's straight up just like sleepwalking through yep. the performance like he's just like this is like oh it's a marvel movie i'm gonna get my paycheck 
and then like this is not a serious thing so he doesn't take it seriously he's like sweating in most of the movie like it's just it's 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 awful that sounds he like it could be the- a strategy though he has the yeah. worst american accent ever too mm-hmm. and like he slips in and out of it throughout the movie he kept he can't say the word understand give a shit he says understand <laughs> like like a british person would because he's yeah. british and then you would think like okay, someone would hit the ear wrong and they would take it out. He says that that word more than any other word in the entire movie. He says understand. I can't understand that. Like in a row, it's it's so off putting. Yeah, it's weird because he has some of the most incredible performances you've laid eyes on with some of the stuff that he does. And like when he mumbles in a weird accent, like just sign me up. I don't even care if I know what he's saying. Like him mm-hmm. in uh, Peaky Blinders, it's just off the chart yeah, stuff. That's great. Great in Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Fantastic. And then then, uh, there's even this really weird show that he did on FX. That's the name of it is slipping my head. Taboo. Taboo, yes. Taboo. And there there was so much mumbling. Like, if you didn't have subtitles on that show, you couldn't understand a damn word. But it was glorious just to watch him mumble. And you'd expect him to just do something better than than this, apparently. But uh, what are you going to do? Here we are. Time to talk about some different type of carnage. Segway style. Into the New York Mets. So... Uh, just reference, we are talking New York Yankees, obviously. That's why we're here to talk New York Yankees wildcard game. It's huge, and we're excited. However, we do have some news on the New York Mets. They are not bringing back Luis Rojas. Alec is already yawning, doesn't care about the Mets, their managerial situation. But we have to at least cover it here quickly and uh, give a two-minute wrap-up on the Mets season. So, Andrew, I'm going to go to you first. I think we all expected Luis Rojas to not be back here, or at least most Mets fans hoped for him to not be back here. So not a big shock, um, but what's the direction now? Like, what do you look at in a manager for this Mets team or Mets franchise that you would pinpoint in the search? No, not somebody that's your, like, third choice uh, for a manager off, that's like, a good the start. Bat, you know? So, like, <laughs> when, <laughs> so when you, you you come down to your managerial candidates, like, two years ago when it was, like, Girardi and Beltran and, like, like two other guys with like actual experience. And then it was like a layer of shit. And then it was Luis, Luis Rojas. Like you, you don't, you don't pick that guy. So that's, that's number one. Uh, and, you know, he kind of just sealed his fate uh, with that second half of the Mets. Like the first half, you know, they were feeling pretty good. They were 48 and 40. And then the second half, they go 29 and 40, 45, uh, which was just awful. Um, but I think you have to look for, um, maybe not somebody with uh i don't know i i teeter on this i was like maybe they go back to beltran you know alex cora got rehired but alex cora like was a had had experience and you know the, he has that combination of analytical experience and being a likable guy and Be- beltran has and the likable guy part and uh you know so maybe they go back that direction but if i'm the mets and i'm trying to like win i think i want to bring in a, a manager with some kind of experience and hopefully they don't treat the job as uh, the Yankees. And they both did um, a couple years ago. It's just, uh, you know, it's an entry level job and, you know, you take somebody straight out of um, the broadcast booth or somewhere else and, right. you know, just toss them in and tell them what to do. Alec, with all the speculations going on, your idealistic manager, not just for say your team and the Yankees or, you know, the Mets in specific, but your idealistic manager in general, what are you looking for for, for the Mets here? In general, I mean, I, I always think you need to have a guy who's like 40% analytics, 60% understands the game and can like get a, keep a locker room intact. 
the analytics are going to be there, but like if you lose the locker room, which is like what the two New York teams have had for the majority of this year, once you lose that, you're not getting that back. When, when the inmates are running the asylum with the Mets, I mean, that's clearly what happened in the second half. So I don't know. I, I think, listen, I don't think you want like a Tony La Russa kind of guy. Um, oh, I don't think anybody really wants a Tony La Russa kind of guy, even though the White Sox are, you know, won the division. I don't really know who's out there. I mean, I, I, any name I'm going to say, I still think that, the managerial position in baseball, like Drew said, is become an entry level position no matter where you're going. I mean, uh, I, you know, you can get maybe a bench coach like an Alex Cora, but who's out there? What big name is there out there? So I don't know. I think you're going to get somebody who's, who's, they're going to get someone who's going to fall in line with, with the brass over there. And I think that could actually be a good thing because Steve Cohen clearly wants to win and you want somebody that's going to be aligned with you, kind of like how Tibbs is with, uh, right. you know, Leon Rose and, 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 and Dolan, they're all kind of simpatico up there. So I don't know. I, I, I would love to give you some names, but I don't well, even know who that's fine. The, Especially the if they're able like. to like bring in uh, Epstein and as, you know, they said they're going to go talk to him. As oh, he was the, dead. Uh, take oh, over, sorry. Take over, take over for uh, Sandy. All uh, Sandy will be back. He's like a <laughs> did cockroach. You, did dude. you hear He'll that? Like three seconds years. late, Andrew. Did you hear yeah, that a couple that, seconds late? Yeah, I, got, I was just like, wait. <laughs> oh yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't kill himself, but uh, yeah. Theo Epstein would be awesome. Cause that he has a track record, right. Of fixing situations. So, my question is one one more question on this front here. So a, a name that I saw get thrown out, and it's not even like a speculative name. It's more of just a, a Met fan who's in the media who kind of just mentioned this, right? It's a guy, Pete Hoffman, works at WFN, worked with him a bit. He put out the name Mark DeRosa, right? So I, I don't know if he's even looking to be a manager. It doesn't really matter, but the thought process is interesting to me. How important is it to you guys to for the manager to be able to command the press conference? command the room when talking to reporters and giving the state of the union every week or every day, really, because in New York, that's important. And DeRose is a guy who clearly has a command of his personality and can be outspoken, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't care what sport it is. If you're in New York, you need someone who's good, uh, you know, with the media, they're going to rip you apart. And if you go there with like an awestruck mentality, it's not going to be great. If, even if you're a Joe Judge kind of guy who kind of underwhelms on the field, but you know commands a room, right? Uh, that's going to go well. So I, I don't know if DeRose is that guy. I think you need a hard ass in, in New York. I, I always think that you know I know you're not a stupid New York fan like I am, but uh, I think if you give me a Thibodeau, you give me a Judge, a Coughlin, uh, something like that, I'm going to eat that up every time. And I think that the, when you have the media on your side, and then you could you know actually put it out on the field. You're going to be fine. Uh, and then you can actually focus on your job. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, Andrew, any thoughts on that before we get to our wrapping thoughts on the Mets here? No, I think that that pretty much sums it up. I I, I mean, I think the – I don't – I'm not sure about DeRosa myself. Um, I know I've listened to him on MLB Network, and, like, I've seen – like, I've heard some of his, like, takes, and they're, like, they're not very good. Right. Like, they – like <laughs> – so, uh, like, thinking of that guy's going to be making in-game managerial strategy decisions is probably not uh, ideal. Um, but I always think, like, I don't know, that the Yankees won with a calming, smart baseball presence of a mind in, in a Joe Torre. Um, you know, I think someone like that, uh, someone who can just command respect, someone that doesn't really have to be rah-rah, but it, it just, you know... So someone that like you're confident they know what they're doing, and I know baseball likes skew younger. Um, and again, I don't know 
who that mind is. Um, the game's just so different now than it was, you know, 20 years ago. So I don't know if Joe Torre would be a great manager today. Um, but you know, uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm thinking someone, someone who could at least just, they get the respect of the players in the room and, and, and kind of just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I think, I think Beltran would have been that guy, but he would have been the guy the first time that they hired him. If they did it again, sure. They'd have to, you know, eat crap for like the first couple months or whatever it is in, in the press conferences. As soon as they start winning, everyone's going to forget about that. Yeah, exactly. What it's, with, it's, that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened with Cora. You know, the, he came back and the Red Sox stumbled in 2020 and he came back and now they're playing the Yankees in the wild card. Like no one gives a shit that he wasn't yeah. the manager for a year, you know, so. A hundred percent could not agree more. I say it all the time. And this is to a lesser extent because this is not like a true legal issue. But in sports all the times, we have players who do like criminal actions sometimes or like literally mistreat women, right? And they get signed to a team. Everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe they signed him. And then two weeks later, he's scoring 25 points for your fantasy team and no one seems to care. And it's, it's a terrible thing about this world, but it's also how the world happens to work, especially in sports. Mm-hmm. Beltron helped cheat, right? If he starts managing, 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 there we go, managing the Mets and they're doing well, no one will care yesterday. People will forget that they ever cared. Uh, and it's a bad analogy to make, I understand that, but, and I don't like that that's the true case of life, but that is the world we live in. So let's move on. Ma- to, oh, go ahead. Real quick. Sorry. Major League Baseball also are already made, set a precedent that we don't care. Right. So if they don't care, none of the players, there's going to be no, real, yeah. AJ Hinch is going to continue to work. Alex core is going to continue to work. Eventually Beltran will get a job. Maybe he doesn't get an immediate high profile job. Like he did with the Mets. Maybe he goes and is a bench coach or something. He'll be a manager one day in the league. Major League Baseball already told you that it's okay that they do this by it, them not bringing down the hammer on these people. It almost makes you yeah. feel bad that Beltron got lost the job in the first place. Like, if you really think about it, like, yeah, maybe he should have got suspended or whatever you want to say. Like, should he have actually gotten fired? The other guys who were more involved than him had a job before he did. And it's kind of crazy if you really think about yeah. it. So hopefully he gets a shot. And I would not be upset if it was with the Mets. I think despite, uh, you know, Adam Wainwright memories, we all love Carlos Beltron. So Andrew Kalanya designate a hitter himself. You have some fun facts for us to round up this Mets conversation. So why don't you hit us with those very fun facts before we talk about this exciting Yankees Tuesday night? Uh, so it's basically like basically what led to uh, the downfall of the Mets. Everyone knows, you know, that they led, they did really well in the first half. They did were 48 and 40 in the first half. Uh, it's the second half that really killed them. It was, they went 29 and 45 and the, and the, the issue is too, um, you know, they did pretty well against the NL East. They were 39 and 37 against the NL East, so about 500 against the NL East, which is basically all you could ask for. Um, you know, they beat up on, I think they went uh, 11 and 8 versus both the Marlins and the Nationals. So you had a, I mean, you'd like a couple more wins against them, but they basically went 500 against the Phillies and the, and the Braves who were, who went down to the wire for the NL East. But the, the biggest bugaboo for them was like at beating actual teams that were good. So among all the teams that are currently in the playoffs right now, the Mets in 58 games, the Mets went uh, 19 and 39. So uh, if you, if they, if yeah, so 20 games under 500, if you just went 500 against those great teams, you're talking 87 wins and a game behind the Braves. And maybe, you you know, down the stretch when they're playing the Braves, maybe they play a little harder. Maybe they, uh, you know, are going up for the division right now. So, yeah, so they what just that kind says of just is com- basically they couldn't beat anyone good, so they weren't yeah. good. Yeah, basically. 
Mm. And uh, the last uh, fun fact. So they spent 103 days in first place uh, this year, which is the most of any team in major league history that ended up finishing uh, under 500 afterwards. I thought these were supposed to be fun, Andrew. It is fun. Going full name. Fun for me. (laughs) Frightening facts for Mets fan. Oh my God. 103 days. Remember when we were having conversations and this will go segue into our Yankee conversation here all season long. We're having conversations based off the NL East and the AL East and the differences really. Right. And we're trying to tailor the thoughts to that fact. Right. Oh, the Mets are in the lead. Doesn't even matter. They're not playing that good. They're going to get better and they're going to win this division walking away. The Yankees, however, they're struggling. They're not grinding. They're not doing this. Meanwhile, they were as good, if not better than the Mets the entire time, just way behind in the division. Now look, like the Mets fell apart. They never got going. The Yankees had a really up and down season. Obviously, we'll discuss that. But all year long, I wish we could just snapshot every headline from, you know, every two weeks in Major League Baseball on ESPN. I wish I had time to do that because it would say, oh, the Mets are fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the Mets. They're going to do fine. And it was ended up being terrible. The Yankees, it was panic, 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 panic. And the whole time, they were a better team. So let's talk about that team. Okay, Alec, what? I wish you could just go back to the like our season preview because I, I, I just remember rolling my eyes the entire time because the Mets were ranked first or second in every major category for the right. National League. And I said, the Mets are the Mets. This is what's going to happen. Maybe they fight for a wild card spot. I didn't think they'd be this bad. But, I mean, this is uh, they, this team was built up so hard. It was almost like – it's almost identical to what happened with the Padres. Like, they made all the right moves. Worse they than were happened built to the Padres. You think worse? Yeah, because the Padres had, like re- – the Padres were, like – they were talking about, like, outseating, like, the Dodgers. And, like, you know, the NL East was, like, a – you know, a winnable so division, pro- right? Yeah, it's a winnable division. Like, yeah, but everyone I, going into but the Mets it was were like not the ranked as right. Nobody yeah. saw the Giants going to be the, the, the best team no. in the National League. Nobody saw that. So it was essentially like, okay, we're going to watch the, the the Padres versus the Dodgers all year, and mm. <laughs> ended up not being that at all. Maybe for like three, like the first two months of the season, but mm. I mean, the the Padres second half of the season, I've never seen they had a worse collapse than the Mets did. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and you're right, though, because the Mets were ranked in every power ranking going into the season, you know, top five, top seven in the whole MLB. Like, legit. Yep. And yep. at no point in time were they actually that good. At no point in time. <laughs> so let's segue on to the New York Yankees and talk about a team that has looked like that team for a while. And then for other portions of time, they've looked like the Mets, and they looked uninspired, and they couldn't score, they couldn't close games. And then they looked awesome again. And it's been this up and down roller coaster. The amount of times I've heard from various friends and seen people on Twitter and Alec, I'm done with this team. I'm over it. It's giant season. All right, now I'm back. <laughs> Don't put your head down. You know you did it. <laughs> but uh, like it was just such a roller coaster the entire year. All in all, successful in the sense of making the playoffs and having as many wins as they did. But confidence-wise, you ask a Yankee fan, And I have no confidence in their confidence. Even if they're not confident, I don't have confidence in that. Like, I don't trust a word that comes out of Yankee fans' mouths, and it's not because they're trying to lie. It's because they have no idea what to believe. So, Andrew, you did a good job answering these questions on Instagram uh, over the weekend on Sunday, trying to navigate what to expect going into that game Sunday night and then so on into the wild card situation. Do Do you even have the ability right now to 
make a sound prediction? Like, what's your process like looking at tomorrow's game or tonight's game specifically? How do you even evaluate it? So, I don't know. I, I, I've just seen... Good answer, good answer. The way that I just see, I just seen the way the team's performed uh, throughout the whole season. So, I'm looking at their, their postseason probability graph um, at the moment. So, in the beginning of June, it was at 89%. Middle of July, it dipped all the way down to 24.5%. Then the middle of August, it dipped all the way up to 98%. Middle of September, 27%. So you have this, this seesaw of like... Jesus. Uh, of, uh, of, of probabilities. Like they came, they came this close to basically getting knocked out in the middle of, in the middle of July to getting all the way back up there. And then middle of September, we thought they were done. So any, the, the spectrum of outcomes, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they lost tomorrow, it wouldn't surprise me if they made a deep playoff run uh, and, and won the world series. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I think the, the term was, infuriatingly i wouldn't say i wouldn't even say infuriating optimistic it was just just the, the spectrum of outcomes for this team is just is is infuriating the, the yankees uh, are I, basically I wouldn't be, Kirk I wouldn't cousins be, right I, now is that what you're saying no like, yeah uh, any and literally any 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 outcome wouldn't surprise me in the slightest they can put up 300 yards three touchdowns no interceptions for three weeks in a row and then score seven points like that's basically the Yankees, they're Kirk yep. Cousins this year, and they're a wild cards team, so it checks out. Mm-hmm. Alec, how have you handled this roller coaster of emotions? Well, honestly, I'm a little surprised to be hearing Drew say that because he was kind of my my, my source of truth on this one. The second that uh, I said, "God damn it, the Red Sox," uh, 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 Drew responded with "F him, let's let's do this shit in Boston and Fenway or something like that." Yeah, and that- uh, I respect that he was my, he's my source of truth. Now I'm starting to second guess myself. I was going into this, I was like, "Listen, we get Garrett Cole in the bump. We got the guy who we want with the ball in his hands. We got Stanton, who has been." absolutely owning all of the city of Boston whenever he goes there. And now I'm like, oh shit. Like you're right. The Yankees do kind of suck and also are very good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm, well I'm, I'm, listen, I'm very confident in Garrett Cole and I'm very confident in all that stuff. But like at the at, you know and, and fuck the Red Sox. We're gonna go up there and we're gonna they're gonna stomp him out. But at the same time, I've seen too many stupid shenanigans in Fenway and and a one game playoff is just like uh, I I hate it I hate everything. Can I can I ask you a question, Drew? I think you know sure. what the question is going to be. You know, is it's uh, something to do with Gary Sanchez? So it's already <laughs> been announced that Higgy is gonna Higgy's gonna catch the game tomorrow. Now okay. I have to ask you, and I want I really want you to answer this properly because Gary hasn't hit a, a, a baseball uh, like like the drops on the field in I don't know like six years at this point. So. Mm. Um, are you you have to i'm not saying you have to be happy that higgy's playing you have to be okay with him playing uh, am i right I, <laughs> he doesn't want to say the, yes but i feel like he does want to say yes gary hasn't hasn't had a good end of the season um uh so so yeah i guess so but it's not like he's 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 absolutely tanking he just hasn't been playing uh, as well as was in the middle of the season. So uh, the again, time, it, he it, just it's, had like a two hit game. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, so it's 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 fine. And I think if a big spot comes up, 
uh, late in the game, I think you're going to see Gary go in there. So, I mean, if, and strike makes, out on three sliders, probably. <laughs> but if it, if it makes if it makes Garrett Cole the this mental tough uh, guy have his personal catcher in there, so he can uh, do well against the Red Sox. I don't and, get uh, you. Is this what it's like when I talk about Mike Trout? Is this absolutely? <laughs> absolutely. I, this is exactly <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> his personal catcher, and uh, so. I'm fine with it. Um, uh, you know, if Gary was like, maybe if, if, if he was, if he was uh, in the middle of one of his like hot streaks, when he gets, he gets stupid hot. Um, and he was hitting. Yeah. The ball, if this, was, the if this ball, was October of 2017. Sure. Yeah. I get it. Or, or, or like August when he was, when he was hitting really well and, and he was batting third in August um, because he was hitting that well. Um if he, that was happening, then yeah, I'd have a bigger problem with it. But now he's on the kind of on the down swoon. so I'm 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 uh, I will begrudgingly say I'm okay with Higashioka uh, taking starting the game tomorrow. The last time Gary Sanchez had two hits was game. Oh shit, doesn't have the date here. Oh, September eighteenth. So that's not that long ago, but. His last no. time before that was September 5th. <laughs> and his last time before that was August 18th. So basically every like two to three weeks, he gets a multi-hit game. And that September 5th game, he had two home runs. So, not good. Yeah, not that's very not, good. That's, that's not so, good. A lot of zeros but, in, that, get, in that game. I also log. get frustrated because like on the Yes broadcast, I always say like they have three above have average hitters. They have Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez. And that's got to be so <laughs> insulting to, start, to Judge and Stan. Like it's easy to be like if you're an above average catcher, you're expected to hit 200. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like you, if you lose that bat in the lineup, it's not like it's going to cost you the game. Gary hasn't been able to run into a fastball in, in two years. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to harp at this point. I already got what I wanted out of Drew. <laughs> <laughs> you accomplished the goal that you set out to accomplish. And, uh, and well done. Just discarded. It's a, it's a fair question. And I think it's something that is always going to be polarizing for Yankees fans. As far, as long as Gary Sanchez is still the catcher, it's polarizing because what's, what's worse, right? Higashioka going Oh, and four, Oh, for four without making a mistake or Gary Sanchez getting, you know, one hit and making an error behind the plate. Like, if that's the payoff, like, you know, it's a fair conversation to have. Depends if, big... the hits a, depends if the hits a home run or not, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I see but the if, if he hits a home run, it's not like there's anybody on base. He's got 25 home runs with 50 RBI. Like, I mean, that's mm. almost, like, impossible to do that with, with that kind of power. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but also, I was a big Gary defender for a long time. He's been the worst he's ever been behind the plate. And I don't mean like calling a game. He's dropping pop-ups left and right. He can't throw anyone out anymore. Like he's just, he's, he's we got to move on from him. I'm not saying Hickey's the future, but uh, I don't need Gary on the team anymore. Yeah. I I don't want to talk about off-season moves yet, but I, I don't expect uh, Gary to be the Yankees catcher next year either. Which is weird. It, it, it feels like in our heads, we were penciling him in for, you know, 10 years of catching, obviously yeah. catchers, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, catchers career spans are obviously shorter in general, but you expected him to just be that guy for a long time. And it hasn't yep. really yep. worked the out. The next great Yankees catcher in a, a franchise full of great catchers. Yeah, uh, true. Mm-hmm. And so on to the, let's stay with the lineup here for a second. We'll talk about Cole and the, and the relievers and that experience that you can, uh, you know, have as a Yankees fan with, with Chapman and whatnot, the Chapman experience, as you guys have been calling it. Let's talk about hitters first for a second. Is there anything in regards to the lineup when it comes out that you have to see, I know there's obviously always rumblings about who's going to start, who's going to play the field. Is this person going to DH? Is Luke Voigt still hurt? 
Yeah, he's on the yeah. eye. He's, he's, out. Out. he's out for the season. So maybe that he's done. He's done with his career at the Yankee. That's the last year. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's gone he's too. Done. So, is there anything specific that you guys, if you're making a list of priorities, the obvious one, like leave the obvious stuff off, but like list of priorities that could be in question for the lineup that you need to see tomorrow or today. I keep saying tomorrow because we're recording Monday night. What what, I want what Guardian. is on top of that list, Alec? I want Guardian. Um, you want Guardian in. I absolutely want him. I wouldn't even be upset if he was batting first. I, you're probably going to have Glaber in there. But if there's ever a guy that we've had on this team for the past 10 years that gets the big hits when you're supposed to get the big hits, it's Gardner. He's not going well, to bat 220. He's not going to bat over 220 anymore. That's not what he does. But when, when he needs to slap a single to the outfield, when he needs to you know, pull a home run or, or you know, just scrape the wall or something like that, he's going to do it. And you need that guy in the lineup because he's missed a big hit for the Yankees and always has been. Well, what's the alternative to Brett Gardner? Judge in center. Yeah, then who's your then who's your DH? Then you oh, you, know, you don't avoid any. Well, Gary, 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 Gary can be and then DH. Garrett can DH, and then Higgy. I guess, I guess so. But I think I I want the lefty, and I agree with you. I think I want the lefty in there as well. And well, I you, you have three lefties, so right because you'll have. Well, is Velasquez going to start? No, because Gio's good to go. Gio's good to go. That was that was a that was a crazy catch running that, all the way there. Better than the Jeter up, catch, I will say that it was better than the Jeter catch. If they end up if they end up making the making or winning the World Series, everyone's going to talk about that for the next 30, 40 years. So yeah. that, that would be awesome. Yeah, but in terms of things I need to see in the lineup, um, I I don't want to see Rizzo leading off because that was another like rumblings that the Yankees might do. Uh, um, I think you definitely need that left-handed bat in between the middle of the order and those right-handed hitters and kind of break them up because like even Stanton said, like uh, it, it creates those mismatches for judge and Stanton that you absolutely need. So you can't uh, the Red Sox or any other team can't just do that to do the, basically the weakness of the, the Yankees that they had coming into the season where they could throw in a right-handed flamethrower and mow a bunch of guys down. So you need those left-handed bats in between judge and Stanton to, to mitigate those factors. So I know there was a rumors of Rizzo might lead off tomorrow, but I I need him lower in the order to protect judge and Stanton uh, first and foremost. So I probably bat uh, Glaber uh, leading off and then have Gardner down and lower in the lineup as well. Can I, can I say one thing I absolutely cannot have in terms of the lineup? Count it. Cool. Let, let's not make premature uh, defensive moves in the outfield, like in the, the sixth or seventh inning, like Boone is prone to do. I don't want to see them taking Stanton out to put in Tyler Wade or whatever the hell Boone's going to do in the sixth pinch, inning or something like that. Yeah, pinch, run, pinch running like Stanton. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Absolutely you not. cannot. I don't care what the defensive liability is and having like if you have Stanton in the outfield, something like that. But you can't lose the bats in this game. You cannot lose the bats for some kind of defensive. It's like that prevent defense just prevents you from winning the game. So that, uh, you, you got to make sure that we're not over managing. You, you can get away with over managing the bullpen at this point because our bullpen is, in my opinion, the best it's been all year. I mean, with the, and, and I trust it a lot uh, outside mm-hmm. of Stanton and uh, Chapman for the most part. But mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of lineup, leave the lineup in. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it's the ninth inning. Yankees Red Sox games are always wacky and, and uh, essentially a game seven game Yankees Red Sox where both seasons are on the line. It's going to get real wacky and it can very much go into extra innings. I want every bat in there as long as I need them in there. And, and Boone's Boone's, I think like, if you want to talk about like X factors for, for this game, the, the number one X factor is Aaron Boone. And that's a scary 
very scary thought uh, for Yankee fans. That someone who even in must-win games uh, like three days ago, he was managing for the next game. He was trying to save his bullets for for another game. And you just just have some urgency. That's all I ask of Aaron Boone is to have just a, a tad of urgency and have a pulse for what's going on literally in front of your fucking face. Just please, just just one time. Doesn't one time. sound just, like too just, much to ask. <laughs> You know, no, please. It doesn't just sound like a, it, but yeah, yeah. Just so, have a pulse for what's going on in the field in front of you. So, what um, is a situation where you guys can see a pinch hit or would be cool with a pinch hit? Because you, Alec, you know, you said you don't want anything. Sanchez, San, Sanchez for Higashioka. If that's if he's not in the at DH, right? That that I'm okay with. Obviously, not while Cole is pitching. If Cole's shoving into the ninth inning, you're not going to take him out. It's working, right? Mm, I mean, that's right. that's a situational situation. You know, uh. uh I think you have to deal with, but if, if, if Cole's out in the seventh inning or something like that, and he got a guy on base as, as much as I'm okay with Higgy starting for Cole, doesn't mean I'd prefer Higgy over Sanchez. I'm just okay with it. Right. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I'd rather have his bat in there. And I'm, uh, I, I, even if it's not Sanchez, I want Higgy being pinch hit for at some point in the game. Uh, you know, so even if it's not him, if you want to put a Tyler Wade in there for if he gets on base or whatever and, and steal some bags, the, that's the only position I, I want you to substitute on as who's, a catcher. Who's, who's starting at third base for the Yankees? Do you think? Like who's starting at third? Do you think it's Wade or do you think it's do you think Wade is at shortstop and Urshela's at third base? Because I, I think I think you, know, you got to put Urshela at third base because you, I, I would assume there's probably a little hitching a step from, from that, that play. And I want I want to limit his mobility if I can a little bit. Right. You know, he, he, mm-hmm. shortstop, you're going to be covering the field a lot more than you would be at third base. And I, and I feel like that they're gonna, and I don't know if I, I would probably start Wade if, if, and that's, and that's terrible to, to say, cause I hate Tyler Wade, but I think I would start him, but I think they're going to go with Velasquez and save Wade as the pinch runner, much needed yeah. pinch runner later in the game. So I yeah, honestly, they're that. kind of interchangeable. Velasquez, and yeah. Wade. I mean, Velasquez pretty fast too. You know, yeah. I, 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 I listen. I, I don't think the game is going to be won or lost by your seven through nine hitters in this game, right? It's just it's not that kind of game. You're going to win on a big hit, most likely. Uh, I'm, you know, it very well could be a bloodbath, but. As, as long as your core guys are in there and they stay in there and they're going to get their at-bats, you can live with 7-8-9 because it's 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 a do-or-die game. You're going to get everything that they have for you and they're probably not going to get hits anyway. It's, you know, you're going to get their best pitcher going against your guys in, in that do-or-die. They're probably not going to get a lot of hits in the first place. So I'm fine if they want to put Wade in there. Wade has had streaks where he's actually been really good this year. So is Velasquez and everything like that. Um, but I'm less worried about that i'd want geo's arm at third because he has a better arm than wade mm. and uh wade is better laterally than geo is so uh, i think that makes sense to me but i'm also totally fine with andrew velas because he's a really good a shortstop too defensively yeah that's that all sounds good to me i do have one more question on the offensive front here you guys said that it's not going to be seven through nine who's going to win this game right so who is your guy say you had a free you know ten dollar bet and whatever, it doesn't matter. Say you had a free bet on who's going to hit the big home run or who's going to get the big hit in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Who are you betting your money on? Who are you betting your Yankee fan pride on to come through clutch in the most important game of the year? I think uh, I know the easy answer is to say standard, but I'm going with Rizzo. 
I love that he I love when he has two strikes and he chokes up on the bat and he just like slaps the ball the other way. He just like he's so he's so in there and he's so like aware of the situation and he has a very high baseball IQ. So if I need someone who's going to shorten up and just make get make sure the the ball drops in, it's going to be Anthony Rizzo for sure. Alec, I said it before, Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner's your guy. Brett Gardner's getting a big hit. I know I said you might not get anything out of your seven through nine, but he also very well might be like batting leadoff tomorrow. Uh, I don't consider him like a weak spot in the lineup in the playoffs. I just don't. I I think he's the guy, you know, players are going to come out of the playoffs batting like 100. Everything starts new in the playoffs, and and Gardner's the kind of guy. He's a gamer. He's one of three people on this team that won a championship before. Uh, He knows what to do when he gets to the playoffs. He always performs. And plus, even if he's batting seven, eight, nine, you know, him being the veteran, you don't think of him as a, as a bottom tier guy, just because of the experience. He, he's just so weird because like, I want to say, Oh yeah, you can count for count on him for a, a dribble single up the middle. Like when there's a guy on second, but he very well could, could like get a wall scrape for home run, you know, like that, that's, that's who he is. He's always been that guy where he can hit that if he needs to and just yank on the ball. So, and then, his and then yeah, we'll just be running around the bases. But yeah, I mean, more than likely though, it's going to be Stanton or or Judge if if it, if it happens. I mean, Stanton is the is the you know more impressive home run hitter, but Judge has had a knack for clutch hitting this entire year. So Stanton's really hit, picked it up since like August, but Judge has been clutch all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds good to me. I uh, I, I see I see Judge being being clutch tomorrow night or tonight. I keep saying tomorrow. Um, he's always been clutch in the playoffs too, actually, since, since he's come up, he's always done well. Yeah. And you know what, if I'm the Red Sox in the back of my head are those Stanton bombs over the past couple weeks where, you know, it's in your head, man, the feelings are hurt. Let me make sure we get, get to judge because we ain't trying to get to that guy. Right. So that opportunity can, can come about. But it also, the biggest thing with Stanton is, is he comfortable at the plate, right? Because if he's comfortable at the plate, you don't want to throw to him. So he's going to come into Fenway off of a recent memory of him just absolutely destroying baseballs in Fenway. Was that a week ago? So um, that was also helpful. It's not like, oh, yeah, he performed there well like three or four months ago. He just destroyed that baseball stadium. Yeah, yeah. he made it look minuscule. It was insane. One of the biggest home runs ever. Um, real quick, let's talk about some pitching stuff. I know Garrett Cole, we kind of know what to expect there. He's had a couple starts recently that haven't been amazing. Right. But do we have any thoughts on Cole or is it just, he's our guy. Let's move forward. We ride or die. Nothing, nothing to see here. Yeah. He's the, he's the ace of the staff. He's the guy you gave $300 million for It's for this, this game. So I, I perfectly expect him to go out there and shove and, you know, go at least go at least six, seven and, you know, keep them, you know, keep the Red Sox uh, off the scoreboard. Um, yeah, over they, under they, on solo homers. Uh, I'm setting it at, at 0.5. You taking over or under? I think I'll take the over. I think, uh, I think, I think he gives up. I think he gives up one, one solo shot, and, and like early like, on, too, right? Yeah, <laughs> early in like the first or second inning. Fenway's rocking, and then next inning, Stan comes back. Yep. Bomb bomb. Uh, I love that. So, let's talk about the Severino resurgence because there was this portion of the year where it's like. Why are we even talking about this guy? How are we going to expect him with any confidence to do anything as a pitcher? And now he's back in a new role and he's doing some good things. And is it weird to see him in this role? How do you think he's handling it? Do we expect to see him tonight? I I would expect to see him. Um, I feel like he's 
that going to be that that big bridge if like Cole's in like the sixth inning and they want to get it to the the eighth inning they want to get to the homes or green um i think you're going to see severino come in there because he's he's throwing all three pitches is he's not just doing fastball fastball curveball he's throwing in the changeup and his changeup has looked better than it's ever looked um even when he was he was a starter so it, uh, you have a guy like that that can go two three innings um that has those three like incredible pitches um i think that's exactly who you want to go to and uh, he, he surprised me because when the Yankees were, were tanking in the middle of September, I, I, you know, you want to check my Twitter receipts that I'd said, you know, wasting bullets on and trying to turn Severino into some kind of flamethrower when, you know, you need him for a starter next year is a bad idea. And then he comes out and he's just great. And the Yankees, uh, have used him in big spots already. So I would, uh, you know, I would expect all the same in the wild card game too. Yeah, hand up to, to me as well on that one. I, I was like, this is stupid. We're just saving for next year. We're season yeah. toast. But um, that's why I'm not, I don't run the team. Sorry, I was on mute there. Caught me off guard. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool story, and it's a great opportunity for him to make his, his name. Obviously, he's got a great name in Yankee, you know, his Yankee tenure already. But to make his name that much stronger in Yankee history – in a new role. It, it always seems like some of these pitchers with, you know, amazing histories have these moments where they do something outside of their normal realm. You know, you think of, uh, you know, David Price as a reliever in that one playoff run and things of that nature. Who's, um, and even the, and even the Dodgers last Madison year Bum when Gardner. they had, and they had uh, Julio Larias, um, who was hurt for most of last year and he came back in and he was that dominant when, when Kenley Jansen was, uh, Absolutely, like he he was he was shakier than Chapman is in big spots, and I and I, if I'm the Dodgers, I don't go back to Kenley Jansen as my as my closer in the playoffs. But that's the size of the point. But they they leaned on Urias so much last year, and he's the guy who uh, he got the final outs of the World Series last year. So um, and he was big and against the race. So I would expect Severino to fill in a, a similar type role for the Yankees, and and that's what kind of got me hyped. Him and King um, and Jermon. Those three guys, uh, Jermon probably the lowest of the three, but King was throwing the ball real great as well. So you have two guys that can give you multiple innings um, and has like a starter's repertoire and uh, kind of just be that bridge um, on non-cold days too. So, uh, you know, if you set up your rotation, um, I don't want to look too far ahead in the the DS. If you start the game with, um, you know, you could go Kluber, you go Montgomery, or you go uh, Nestor, Nestor Cortez has got to have, I don't know if he's going to start a game because you'd rather have Cole for game three, but def- definitely Nestor Cortez is going to be a weapon out of the bullpen as well. And he's been one of the, the best stories for the Yankees all year. So uh, they have a, they have a plethora of arms in there to get them to the finish line to not only tomorrow, but uh, in, in the rest of, if they decide to uh, go deeper into the playoffs as well. So now Can I ask you a question, okay. Drew. Sure. Can, can you give me your tiers of bullpen arms? Like where, because Listen, you're, you're probably not going to use the C tier, right? You're not going to use guys, uh, I don't know, like Albert Abreu or whoever they, they put on the roster for tomorrow. Yeah. But, like, what's your what's your tier here? Like, your S tier, your A tier, your B tier, right? Because, I, I, listen, I don't want Chad Green in the game tomorrow. I don't. I don't trust him. Uh, and, and he's still probably in that tier. But I'm just curious to see what you do here because you probably only need four bullpen arms, most likely, tomorrow. Uh, I think my tiers would be – uh, Sever- my S tier would be Severino, 
Clay Holmes, and I guess Chapman would be like between. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God! I completely forgot about Loiza. So yeah, I go. Oh my God! This this uh, Mamma Mia. Um, Johnny Lasagna doing his thing. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness! I totally forgot. Like the the and he's been like the best reliever in all of baseball this year. Like you look at shout out to you and me who said that before the season that if he could figure it out, he could be an amazing weapon for the Yankees out of the Mm -hmm. bullpen. I check the receipts. Every check those receipts, everybody. Go back and um, listen to every episode we've done this year right now. <laughs> it's a season check preview, the, baby. Season, season preview. Yeah, go check it out. Uh, yeah, so I probably put – yeah, they have they have like four great relievers in this. I go Severino, Holmes, Loisega, Chapman would be my four guys in my A tier. And then if things get out of control, I'd probably – I'd go to green. And then uh, – and then i probably – uh, yeah, Peralta, but I probably go green, and then I probably bring in Nestor Cortez before I brought in Peralta or Albert Abreu. Yeah, I don't really want to see Domingo Herman in that game. I don't want to see Albert Abreu or Wandy Rodriguez or anything like that. I mean, uh, Wandy Peralta or Joely Rodriguez or whoever the hell is on the roster yeah. for tomorrow. There, there's certain guys I just don't want to see. You got to you got to pick between four to six people who you just are ready to go. I also don't want to see Chapman in that game. If I'm being completely mm, honest, you don't want don't to. Wait, that leads me to my next question. Can we do a, a little game that I'm going to call the Ajita rankings? The, yeah. the, heart, the heartburn rankings here. So yeah. can we rate? Because Chapman, Alec, you did it perfectly there. Because on one hand, he's the guy who you want and expect to see there in the ninth inning of a close game. But at the same time, you know he's going to give you a lot of heartburn, right? He's going to give you anxiety and tight butt cheeks. So We also get owned by the Red Sox. Can we? Can we that, that doesn't help. Yeah. So can we equate Chapman... Ajita ranking to like, you know, coffee in the morning on an empty stomach. Is it grandma's marinara sauce or is it like I just drank 10 beers and had halal and I just woke up at 6 a.m. Ajita. Nah, I'll like, tell you where, what it is. Where, where are we you at? Know, you know, when you go to L&B and you get a whole pot of tray and then you're like, <laughs> yeah. I'll only eat one of these and you end up eating the whole thing. That's what that's the heartburn I have. Yeah. Uh, the, the next day. Yeah. I feel like it's the mixture of you eat two slices because that's all you're going to have. You're not an animal, right? Then you go drinking mm-hmm. and you come home at like two in the morning and you eat two more slices and you wake Sounds up about right. and you just you just got a lot of pain going on. You're not really sure. It's like kind of hard to breathe a little bit. Is that is that what we're expecting at Chapman tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Chapman or, gives or, me beer shits. I, get, I agree with you. <laughs> Or you, or you, uh, you get a uh, a chalupa and you put the the fire. You put two packets of fire sauce oh, on it. Oh my god! Uh, and, <laughs> and, yeah, two packets of fire sauce. That's that's the amount of Ajita that uh, Roldis Chapman gives me in the playoffs. Because if if you know, he's been on the mound for the last two years in soul crushing Yankee elimination losses. So let's uh, let's do our best here to not make it a third. And and I think Boone. Um, to his uh to compliment him uh and the very few compliments i do give aaron boone uh he he has pulled him when he doesn't he learned his lesson and he has pulled him when he doesn't look right for somebody else so i fully expect if it's yeah this year he's done it so i fully expect if it's like a two three run game and the leadoff batter gets on or he looks at first and second or something like that with less than two outs i think he'll 100 percent go to another reliever um, and take Chapman out of the game. So in West Wimpole. So I, I will say I have confidence in Boone to do that at least. And, and that, that's a, it's a very low bar. That's the point of time where you want Boone to be a little bit uh, meddling. You know, you don't want him to be meddling too much with the lineup and the subs and to go into the pen too early, but with Chapman, some meddling may not hurt. Yeah. 
exactly. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's good. I don't know. I don't know what else we have to add about tomorrow night's game. Is there anything else that we need to touch on in regards to the Red Sox Yankees? Who are, who are the, the guys in the lineup? You know, talk about Ajita rankings. Let's rank the, the Red Sox hitters that we're going to see in big spots that give the most Ajita. Who, who are you most afraid Xander of? Xander Bogarts or Rafi Devers. I don't want to see him. Uh, and, and Alex Verdugo, not because of like, because he's a good player, but just I hate his face and his stupid beard. Oh my God. I hate, I, oh my God. He, and he was like, and he was like a clean shaven guy too. When he was, yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> he just like embodied. He like, he started listening to dropkick Murphy's and, you know, <laughs> and started putting like a, a green, green uh, food coloring in his beer and like the second he got there like just get just come on man just but you just always enough. need a guy enough. like that on the red sox like he reminds me of, like that kevin nucleus type where i just saw him and i was like Ugh. yeah get jabba chamberlain in there so he could like beat him in the head like he would do every time like you need a guy like that to just absolutely you see their face and it's like yeah i just i hate him so much yeah it's like their sports hate which you hate pretty much everyone on the red sox and then there's hate hate and it's that's alex verdugo <laughs> Like, I feel like the, the Red Sox haven't had a player like that in a long time. Like, yeah, I can hate J.D. Martinez, like, because he's on the Red Sox. He's a nice guy. He's yeah, like, Mookie like, Betts is an all-American all man. Yeah. yeah, like, there's no Jason Varitex anymore, you know? There's no there's no Kevin Eucles or Josh Beckett's or Jonathan Papelbons. Like, those were hateable guys. Kurt Schilling. Like, you need a – yeah, you need like, – Kurt Schilling, too. You need a guy like that on the Red Sox. Just like I'm sure the Red Sox need, like, a Luke Voigt or something like that, who is just a typical Yankee meathead uh, and, you know – Stuff like that. I'll tell you. I, think, I feel like I, Red Sox I, I fans sure hate Brett Gardner. They hate they hate, Ga- they hate Gallo and they hate Gardner. Yeah. They, oh, because sure. of, cause, cause of the town. Yeah. Oh, I, I think <laughs> I, I think it meant because of the uh, ethnicity. <laughs> that that too. Uh, <laughs> and plus and plus and I think the I think they they hate Rizzo the most because the Red Sox went after Rizzo them, yeah. and the and and uh, the Yankees Yankees beat him to it. So, Red Sox uh, drafted Rizzo. They had nobody yeah, to blame themselves. Yeah, I think I think Gardner probably leads the Red Sox hate club, though. I feel like mm. as a Red Sox fan, you're just like this. This fucking guy is still here. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of this guy. That's how I feel. I don't even I care bet about you think the they hate Garrett Cole too. Garrett Cole definitely has a punchable face. So uh, I say mm-hmm. that as someone who loves him, but uh, you know, I, I would hate him. I hated him when he was on uh, when he was on the Astros. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and and as far as um, just guys you have to look out for, I mean, I I know Evaldi has owned the Yankees um, for most of the year, but the last time out, the Yankees smacked them around pretty good. So I hope that's a, a repeat performance, and I hope the the real Nathan Evaldi, who was on the Yankees for a couple of years there, shows up because that's my guy. Uh, <laughs> him and Arvino, they're 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 in deep cover right now, and they're ready to propel the Yankees to the ALDS. All right, so you know Adovino is coming out of the pen. Oh, no, he is. Uh, oh, don't yeah. even. No. That, that, and you know he's going to come in at a pivotal moment. He's going to come in with like one out, uh, two, one out left, and like bases loaded, and like he's going to uh, strike that, so, like Gary out on three sliders or something like that. It's going to break my heart. It's going to absolutely gonna, break my heart. I'm going to, I got to tell my wife that we're going to have to buy a new TV because I'll straight, I'll straight up just punch a hole in the television because like. Because uh, but I did guy, love that, cap space though that he's been really good for us this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love some good lugs. Love some uh, good luxury tax savings. Just that, just that one, the one last thing that could just absolutely bite them in the in the ass. It just coming in on a one game playoff. I love it. I love. I love it so much. You see me smiling when I say that I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell, Andrew. Do you love it or? <laughs> 
I love it. That would that would oh. be the unfortunate poetic justice of the Yankees organization right now, right? I'm, Where the Yankee, br- Yankee, Yankee fans have been screaming for the past three seasons of stop being a small market team in New York, blah, blah, blah. And, and that would come back and just, you know, bite you in the ass. I was almost going to say it would eat your ass. That wouldn't make sense. we just took a turn turn. well it's late night now so maybe it's past 10 o'clock yeah you're allowed allowed to to curse past 10 p.m uh all right well i don't think we have much else to add on this game here and we i think we did a good job of not looking forward uh in years past i think especially when the yankees play the twins you know because the yankees Hmm. just own the twins we always said like yeah you know this game, we don't want to look ahead, but also when they beat the Twins, we're going to have this, this, and this for the DS. You can't do that because it's Yankees-Red Sox. It's going to be five hours long. It's a grind. Uh, fans and players alike have to be ready for a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, I can't imagine a world where this game doesn't come down to the final you know, two innings. I just can't imagine yeah, it. Absolutely. And, you know, to not to, again, not to look too far ahead here, but if the Yankees do make a playoff run here, they're going to have to basically conquer every opponent that's knocked them out of the playoffs last year. They're going to have to go on an epic revenge tour here because there's no way the White Sox are beating the Astros here. So if you you beat the Red Sox in the wild card, then you have to play the Rays and the DS, and then you're going to have to play the Astros to get to the World Series. So you're going to have to. It's going to be a hell a hell of a slog to get to uh, the World Series out of the American League for for the Yankees, and I, you know. They did it before, you know, in 09, they, they slayed the, uh, the angels who were, who were their bugaboo back then. Um, so it's entirely possible for them to, to go on this epic revenge tour. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Again, I, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, is that, a, I'm trying to combine <laughs> in a words in a clever way, but it didn't. Um, You've done. Better. So yeah, uh, it was poor. It was very poor. Uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just ready for it to go. And, you know, as Garrett Cole was saying today, you know, he just wished it was tomorrow already. I kind of just wish that we were, uh, in the thick of it already. Cause the, the waiting around is almost, uh, worse than, uh, going through it. So, uh, we're almost there guys. We're almost there. And Alec, you will have, uh, the Knicks preseason game on a small screen, right? No, nah, no, nah, nah, I'm, nah. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I usually would. I usually, I, if it was game one sixty six. No, I'm sorry, not one one fifty six. You probably would have it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I all listen tomorrow. I am going to be a nightmare whether they win or lose. I already instructed my fiance. I was like, get get out of the house. I was like, go do something with one of your friends. Take the dog. I was like, you don't want to be around me at <laughs> all. I don't want. I don't want to be around me. So <laughs> I'm putting three fire packets on my chalupa tomorrow. You don't want to be near this ass. <laughs> How crazy is this? That she was like, "Do you, do you want to go to a bar to watch the game tomorrow?" I was like, "No, no I don't want to get. No, I don't want to get. I don't want to get. I don't want to get blackout drunk and get kicked out and embarrass us in public. There's no way." I, I was like, "God forbid that there's a guy, a nice guy with his kid or something like that, happens to be wearing like a Red Sox jersey or something like that, and it's the sixth inning and we're losing. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my shit there. Like, I need to hear." I need to get angry at John Smoltz or whoever's calling the game tomorrow. I need to be able to live text, take breaks, walk away from, for like uh, uh, every other pitch and, and nerves and everything like that. I was like, what a horrible suggestion. I said, we got to break up. Yeah. You want her to go away. <laughs> so over, if she's not in the house over under four and a half cigarettes, Ouch! Oh, we're smashing you. Four and a half cigarettes or four and a half packs? Uh, <laughs> I heard, and I heard, I've been uh, good for months, but 
<laughs> I heard Bill Simmons on his podcast today. Obviously, a Red Sox guy, Boston guy. He's like between the the final weeks of thinking the Red Sox are out, then they're back in, then they're out, and then they're back in, and then this Patriots thing with Tom Brady back, and now the wild card game tomorrow. He's like, I I've, I haven't smoked cigarettes in years. I'm I'm back. I'm I got to do it. And I was like, that's the most relatable thing, you know, to a fan that you could ever say. Because oh, the best way to watch a game like that when you're truly invested in your team winning is like in a dark room alone, honestly. Like, oh yeah. yeah. And you, you frantically text your friend, like, so, like into the group chat. You'll be texting tomorrow, like some crazy no, stuff. No, wait, wait. I, I'd like to correct that. The best way to do that is to be uh, go to Billy's and then go to the stadium and then go to, uh, to stands afterwards mm. to celebrate. Without that, if it's an away game, I'm doing this. You know me, and I know I know Drew's like this too. I'm going to every playoff game at the stadium that I can uh, throughout the, the, the run. I, I do it every time, but because they, uh, we don't have that luxury, I'm doing it here in a quiet room with the dark, uh, and and the dog can't even be around me because I've been hit him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're putting we're putting Jack to bed early that night, and we're just like my wife and I are just just mentally just I, I bought beer and I'm just gonna just try to get through this as best as we can. That's great. That's great. So, Alec, I'm going to be in the area tomorrow seeing an apartment. Should I knock on your door at the not first pitch? A little bit. Not, <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Yeah, no, you not even if there was a fire. <laughs> I'm not leaving. Even if there's a fire, that could be carbon monoxide apartment. I'm staying in watching every yeah, pitch. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at the bar, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I'll see, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was awesome. Let's, uh, let's go Yankees tomorrow or today. And uh, let's have some fun with it, right? Let's enjoy the game. No fun in a game like this. Usually, mostly just stress. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. And uh, now, if you will humor me for a moment here, can we do a few moments on uh, the football capital of the world in New York, the New York Giants and Jets with big victories uh, on Sunday here? So let's talk just for a few minutes here. Let's start with the Giants and uh, their first win. Now it was awesome in the sense that they had a comeback and there was energy, and we don't often see. This offense, specifically this offense led by Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett, grab a game by the horns and just win it, right? Like, when when have we seen this team come back from more than three points, right? It just doesn't happen very often, and they did it on Sunday. It was impressive in, in some ways. It was still frustrating in others throughout the game. So, Al, we're four games in to the Giants' season. Daniel Jones has very much so not been the problem and has been a positive quarterback. And I think everybody has to admit that, including the biggest Daniel Jones haters. So what's the thoughts on the Giants through four weeks? Well, it's, it's, I, I, I'm a pessimist, and I'm already going to say that, hey, we should be three and one right now, right? We should have won. We outplayed the Falcons. We outplayed um, the, the Redskins, the football team. Um, and uh, those are gut-wrenching losses on the, as time expired. But we did outplay them, and we should have beat them those games. So that's frustrating. But – well, listen, I never thought we were going to win the Super Bowl this year, even as positive as I am about this. And what I saw in that game, besides the the fight, which they haven't had in forever, um, is also like they had an opportunity to really see what they had in Galladay and Tony uh, and um, also Saquon to you know just get a little progressively better as the, as the season goes on. And all of those three things happen. Galladay and Tony are two types of wide receivers that Daniel Jones has never had and could be really, really big weapons for him. Tony is a guy who's in space. How the hell are you going to tackle that guy? You know, like he hasn't had a guy like that uh, probably since high school, I would assume. I don't, I can't imagine the Duke has players like that. And then Galladay, the guy that, the guy that's just going to, 
you know, be a big body receiver who's going to catch the balls if he's feeling comfortable. I know he's had a couple struggles uh, going on because he didn't have preseason or whatever and getting that, uh, that chemistry there. But that was awesome. That being said, the defense sucks this year. <laughs> the defense mm. is really bad. That being also, I'm sorry, devil's advocate here. They also like came back and held them in that last, that fourth quarter for like 10 minutes straight or something like that with no scores. But the defense has been the problem this year. And you're now you're out without like uh, James Bradbury. I'm sorry. Yeah. With that Blake Martinez, James Bradbury has been okay. Dory Jackson has been horrible since he came here. He's beat on every, uh, every play his way. So I don't know. I, I, I'm really excited. I would like to see them win twice in a row. I still think Dallas is a fraud team. I, I think that they're actually not as good as the Giants. I think it's it's uh, it's the Redskins and the Giants who have the most talent on their rosters. Uh, and then, you know, the Cowboys are going to come back down to earth. But we'll see how it goes. The Giants could still win this division. Anyone could still win this division. And that's what keeps my hope alive. But it was just awesome to finally be on the other end of the roller coaster, right? I've seen that happen on the other end so many times as a Giants fan over the past couple of years, it was nice to just be on the other end. And I think looking at Barkley, um, I think this is the best he's looked since uh, his torn ACL. So I mean, oh, yeah. he's looked, he looked like pre torn ACL Barkley. And that's, that's super encouraging. And um, you know, this finally the Giants kind of figure out how to use Galladay this, this week is like the first two weeks they've been like the, the play calling has been, a little awkward to put it kindly um, and not really putting Galladay in the best uh, position to succeed here. But um, you can't question how good Daniel Jones has been. And, you know, just uh, offensively, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of positives uh, going into uh, next week versus Dallas. Yeah. I got I to gotta say, Pete, you undersold it. You said he has very much not been the problem. He is, as of me saying, this was like pro football focus's third best quarterback. I it's, he was, re, he's been really good this year. He's got uh, two interceptions, one on a hail Mary and one that was a batted pass by Evan Ingram. He is not, not, not only has he not been the problem. He's only got one interception. In games, what? He's only got oh, one okay. interception. The hail Mary. Okay. Oh, the, the, oh no, the Evan Ingram thing was a fumble. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, he's done. He's, he hasn't fumbled the ball. Uh, well, I know he had a lost snap and everything like that, but he's doing all the things that he's been doing well and none of the things that he's been doing poorly. And the game is opening up for him more with different options and he's using his legs more strategically instead of just, you know, hey, I'm going to run downhill and see how far I can get and then stumble, uh, you know, I hit the 10-yard line. So, um, you know, the offense opens up so much more when you can do things like that. And uh, it's exciting because, I, I, you know, you hope – on a rookie deal, like not everyone's going to do year one or two, but year three is kind of the decision-making year. I mean, look what Kyler Murray's doing now in, uh, uh, in, in Arizona and look what Josh Allen did last year. So. Yeah. This was probably the best game in his career. Like, I don't know if he's actually thrown 400 yards before in his, in his career. Um, I'm I'm not going to, I don't think he has, but he threw 400 yards this past weekend. And the number one thing that I see and me and Pat Boyle have been talking about this for a few weeks with Jason Garrett because obviously he's the big punching bag um, for the team right now. Daniel Jones needs to be unleashed and pushed forward a little bit in regards to his downfield and intermediate pass attempts. It's probably the best aspect of his game. He's not a Mac Jones type. Like Mac Jones, you know, obviously he's early in his career. I was using him as a as a stereotype. Mac Jones is thriving in picking up you know, four to seven yards consistently and not making mistakes in those situations. Daniel Jones is not good in those situations. He's actually better throwing the ball down the field 
than he is, you know, on the short uh, opportunity. So Jason Garrett needs to understand that. When you think about Kenny Galladay, um, he he does align a little bit with Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper had great success under Jason Garrett. Cooper's obviously a little bit more shifty, less, uh, you know, vertical on jump balls type stuff, but like that possession guy who can run all the routes, et cetera. So Galladay should get more comfortable here, but the Tony thing was great. I've obviously haven't been a Tony lover uh, since the draft pick just because I think he needs to be schemed for rather than just fitting the scheme, but he proved more ability to run more routes in this last game and catch the ball in traffic. And then when he does do that, he's damn dangerous, right? So I don't think he's going to be a guy who does get eight targets every week. I think that's a little bit to do with the fact that Shepard's not there, but that should give them enough confidence to run him out there more often on more routes. Like this isn't fantasy football. Obviously we're talking about the actual giants, but if his route percentage or his snap share, you know, goes up every single week here, that is absolutely huge. That's a win of itself, proving that the coaching staff trust him enough to do more than a swing pass, to do more than a screen and, uh, you know, hot route type stuff and him actually running the full route tree. I don't think he's there yet, but that was promising for sure. Also, I want to give credit, uh, like uh, if I'm going to get on him for when he, when he screws up, Jason Garrett was actually pretty good at play calling this week. Uh, that that one play where Saquon got the, it was like a 45-yard reception or something like that for a touchdown, that was actually a beautiful play. Uh, you know, sucking in the, uh, the, the, the defensive back um, when Ingram uh, 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 took his route to the left. Uh, that was beautiful, just enough. And then being able, like being ballsy enough to have Saquon coming off a torn ACL to just streak up the uh, uh, the sideline to and have enough confidence for him to catch that. That's obviously a design play. That was a really, really, really good play. Um, and uh, also, one other thing I want to mention is if uh, Rudolph doesn't jump on that fumble in overtime, this would have been the more of the same. So uh, very yeah. fortunate of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, Absolutely. great point. And that's a thing we do across the NFL very much is we just play the outcomes. And whether a team one by one or, you know, actually did have that fumble go the wrong way, we tend to only talk about the positives if they won and the negatives if they lost, but both exist no matter what. So that's an absolutely great point. The thing I worry about in division is I honestly think the Dallas offense is off the charts. I think Dak is an MVP candidate. Everyone's talking about Kyler Murray. Everyone's talking about, um, oh my God, Justin Herbert getting some buzz in that regard. Uh, But I think Dak is looking off the charts impressive let's right wait now. till we get five weeks down the road and see how the conversation I, goes i don't, don't want to have these conversations for mvp i'm, I'm not saying i'm just saying uh, in regards to like early season hype and what's been going on this dallas offense has been spectacular they are they are been they've been awesome and they have weapons and zeke looks really good and tony pollard is about as good a number two back as there is in the league so they're they're full of strengths on that offense right there so I'm worried. We're going at Dallas this coming week right now, and I got to be honest, the Giants' defense has to do something because I, I just don't think the Giants are built to win shootouts. Maybe they can stay close in some shootouts, and if they want to beat Dallas, they got to hold them in the 20s and score 30 because I don't think there's a universe right now where the Dallas Cowboys are going to score 14 points and the Giants win 17-14. I, I, I am hard-pressed to believe that. 
especially with his defensive play. I think the thing with the Giants is they don't get blown out, right? They they lose by a, they play to a their single competition. score. Yeah. It, it's yep. what they always do. So, I mean, are they built to play in shootouts? Yeah, they're built to play in whatever fucking game is coming there that week, you know? But uh, are they built to win it? I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's all coming down to Daniel Jones becoming more and more comfortable. And more and more comfortable means, like, getting through your progressions, right? Getting out of the pocket better. And he's doing that and calling audibles and, and, and flipping out on the play when, when it's busted. And he's getting better and better at that. You know, this is a huge week. Like, I don't want to understate that. Even even if they lose next week or the next three weeks, this is a really, really big, important win that they had. Uh, and it shows them they, they can be in any game that they, they want to be. And if they are in that game, they can win that game. Right. So you, 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 Bring that into next week, right? And, and I'm not saying that they're going to beat the Cowboys. I don't know that they are or they aren't. I, I think it's a winnable game, and I think it's a losable game. But um, coming out of that, you have to feel confident that they could bang with the rest of them, right? I mean, the Saints aren't a bad team at all. They're a very good team. Um, and you can say what you will about Jameis, but, I mean, that defense is really good, uh, and they have weapons, and Alvin Kamara is arguably a top two running back in the NFL. So they can beat that team and beat them in their own game. I, I can't see why they can't beat the Cowboys. I don't think the Cowboys are that good. I, I don't think yeah. the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, uh, I'll, they're well, they're definitely the favorite to win the NFC East by by a good margin right now. They're seven point favorites going into Week Five. I agree, Super Bowl contenders lofty for sure, but they're elite at something right now. Right now, you know, if you want to argue what's going to yeah. happen over the next couple weeks, they're elite at offense right now, and their defense has been causing hella turnovers. So you got to hope for some regression on their turnover front and some maintaining of no turnovers for the Giants offense. Because if Trayvon Diggs gets busy and picks off two balls, oh my God, it's going to be ugly. So, How's that kid from Penn State doing on there? I wanted the, the Giants. I'm blanking on his he's name. He's doing pretty good. They're actually not really utilizing yeah. him as a true linebacker right now. They're p- pass rushing him quite so a bit. And, oh, he's okay. le- and he's leading the all rookies in pass rushes right now. In, uh, quarterback I really pressures. wanted the Giants to take him. I think that's I who they too. wanted going I into did the draft. Too. Yeah, uh, it got wonky there in the draft when uh, when they were picking. But they, no, we can't be too upset. We'll see how Tony turns out. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? I had one more thing to say on the Jets? Giants. No, it was on the Giants, and I just kind of forget. Doesn't really matter. Oh, well. All right. Oh, oh, this is what I was going to say. When the game was still 21-10, I was thinking about the Giants, and I just couldn't help but remind myself of the the local fan, right? The people who love Daniel Jones, the people who hate Daniel Jones, they both exist pretty much equally, right? There's these plays every week where Daniel Jones makes an awesome throw downfield, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's awesome. What a throw. This guy can make every throw. He's great. Or he runs for a first down. Great. Oh, my God. But then you look at the scoreboard, and they have 10 points, right? And that's been the issue in Daniel Jones' career. Great plays mixed around just a bunch of meh, right? So the it's, the point it's not totals, meh, it's crap in the red zone. The red zone. They, they still didn't. He still didn't get a touchdown in the red zone, right? It was a fifty-yard pass and yeah. uh, and then a forty-yard pass. So he can't, like they the, can't do anything in the red zone. I feel like that's been like my experience of watching the Giants for like twenty years. Yeah, right. just, the, just absolute just garbage in the red zone. Just you don't remember constant. Tom Coughlin with the green zone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they suck then and they suck now so it's uh, yeah. nothing nothing changes there's always constants in sports yeah you I know, went I went through it um on the last pod T- Jason Garrett offenses red zone touchdown percentage it was like second to last in the league last year for the Giants and then um before that it was like twenty sixth thirtieth and six they had one year sixteenth 
with the Cowboys when their offense was really good. And that's basically Garrett's last like four years of red zone touchdown percentage. So it's just more of the same for him. And that's what's so frustrating for Giants fans. It's like if everybody in the world could have bet if Jason Garrett would have been a successful offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, 90% of people would have bet that it wouldn't have worked out. Right. So we're here and we have to push forward and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, some positives to draw from for sure. Let's talk about the Jets super duper quick. Not much to say. I have to add that I'm happy Zach Wilson got a win. I'm happy he made some splashy throws and they won a game because I was kind of getting sick of Jets fans and media members alike absolutely dumping all over Zach Wilson after, as everybody assumed, bad starts to this t- this season for him. Not a lot yeah. of offensive help on the offensive line. Almost none at all, actually. His best offensive lineman's hurt. They played the Patriots, who eat rookie quarterbacks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he had bad games. Terrible, actually. But I'm glad he got off the schneid with a solid game. They beat a banged-up Titans team. It's nothing to write home about. But you have to be at least semi-happy as a Jets fan today, thinking, all right, this guy doesn't completely suck. There's something to look forward to for the next, uh, you know, 14 games or whatever. You said that he was like a he, he was a little more aggressive um, just in his decision making overall. So it seems like he was getting a little more comfortable uh, just just being an NFL quarterback, I guess. Um, you know, and he still has the second most uh, interceptions for a rookie quarterback in the last 40 years. Uh, Peyton Manning was uh, I think that's 11. Um, so that's the only one that's ever had more uh, in the in their first couple of games. But uh, it seems like, you know. He made a couple of gutsy plays. He was able to move around a little bit in the pocket. So, um, you know, again, I never loved the the draft pick of them picking Wilson to begin with, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll always admit when someone has a, has a good game and, you know, it was kind of a gut check for him. So it was, it was nice to kind of just not see him fully just get, you know, destroyed his first couple of weeks in the NFL. Larger issue is that like, and it always bothers me. I saw somebody, the Bleacher Report was like talking about how, Trevor Lawrence has never lost this many games in his entire life. Like, yeah, no shit. Like, you know, all these, yeah, these you quarterbacks, it, it bothers me. It really annoys me because like, this is expectation with, with like rookies. And I, I don't really know You don't really notice it with baseball, but with basketball and football, where it's like, if you don't make that immediate all-star impact, if you're not like a Luka Doncic or like a Kyler Murray or someone like that, who figures it out like midway through year one, like everyone's willing to write them off. It's like these guys, like, of course, they're the best, uh, you know, that they've ever played against uh, because they were the they were able to get drafted in the first round of the NFL. They're always going to be the best of like the, whoever they played against growing up and most like most likely in college and things like that. But like to give up on these players, I, I mean, I say that as a Knicks fan who like still believe that Frank could find a place right. in the league and, and like Daniel Jones, like, oh, you're three and he's not he's not an all star. I mean, you're two and he's not an all star. He didn't even start for the first three games of his uh, of the first year. I'm like, you have to get let these kids develop, and like this immediate expectation with with rookies, it's just, it, it just it drives me crazy. Yeah, and Justin Herbert ruined it for everybody because he was the third ranked quarterback out of his class last year. Came in and absolutely destroyed people. So now it's like, oh Herbert, it's like yeah, if he was. It happens every it happens every year. There's always one quarterback right. that skips who it's supposed to be, and this year I mean, it happens to be none of them. Yeah, again, it's week four. You know, yeah. it's like it, 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 that's what I'm, that's my whole point is that we are so early on in their careers that to to write them off and say like Zach, like so many people are saying Zach Wilson's a bust, Trevor Lawrence can't lead a team, like they're coming into horrible situations 
That's why they had those picks in the first place. So uh, just a little diatribe on me. Yeah, and and typically what they what the NFL used to do, you know, when Eli Manning came in, they used to have a veteran quarterback uh, to to kind of take those hits and let the guys learn. But now, you know, it's just a different game now where you're just kind of you're kind of throwing the rookies to the fire here, and then you know the learning curves. Being an NFL quarterback's hard. It's very hard. Uh, Only thirty spots in the world. <laughs> exactly. So you know, throwing somebody who who has nothing but success because they were on a great college team or a great high school team. And they have the talent levels, you know, not as, uh, you know, not as much as, you know, when you're playing and playing those kind of games, but uh, you know, it's, it's not surprising. And, and I don't think anybody should be shocked by the fact that, you know, a rookie quarterback comes out and struggles. So you kind of just have to see what you have and trust the process and, and continue to move forward. And I feel like that's what, uh, you know, the jets and the Jaguars and all these other teams that drafted this year, they're, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, they double the rookie quarterbacks doubled their win totals, or I, I guess from one to three this week. That Justin Fields got a win, and Zach Wilson, and the Jets play at the Atlanta Falcons. It's currently Falcons minus three and a half. Another opportunity for the Jets to to steal one against a team that's you know not very high on themselves right now. So Falcons why not? Sneaky kind of good though. Are, have they been? <laughs> they beat, yeah, they Cordell, beat the, they, Cordell, they, they, yeah, yeah. But that game, Cordell they both Patterson. wanted to lose. Yeah, but they also were this close to beating the Redskins yesterday, too. Again, it's like one of those things. It's all about the outcome, but they were leading that game for the vast majority of that game into the fourth quarter, and then they lost it at like the last drive of the game. Right. No, it's true. It's absolutely true, but uh, it's not an unwinnable game for the Jets. There's a lot of unwinnable ah, yeah. games for the Jets. This is not one of them. So Jets fans can go into one more week with a little bit. It's also a London game, actually. It's not in Atlanta. They're playing in, Ew. at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Very exciting. Gross. I mean, that's a reminder to everyone to set their fantasy lineup on Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, true. Well, you know, Calvin Ridley, Mike. Day- oh, guess who I didn't start this week? Yeah. Cordero Patterson, baby. Oh, you know, you know when you pick somebody up off the waivers and you're like, ah, nice pickup, baby, and then you just don't play him, and then he does great two weeks in a row. That's what I did with Cordero Patterson. I went. I had a high waiver wire selection. I picked him up, and I didn't play him last week, and I didn't play him this week, and. That's that's how the cookie crumbles. Shout out, shout out, Daddy, right here for getting the most point total in our league with uh, AJ Brown not even playing. My first, my, my second uh, pick in the league. My uh, my team in our league, Alec, is is pretty bad right now. Pretty, yeah. pretty bad. Pretty <laughs> bad. All right, that's fantastic. Great episode by you guys. Thank you so much as always. Subway Sports Talk for Alec Argento, Andrew Kaladnia. Go Yankees. Go Blue Team. Heck, the Red Sox. Yankees got to make a little run here. I'm excited for it. Hopefully you guys are too. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Cheers. Let's go, Knicks.